0: to the Monterey podcast. For more information, check out our website at MontereyChurch.com.
1: Well, as Sam mentioned, today is the final message in this series that we have titled Shaped By, uh, with the underlying question being, so what shapes our lives, our thinking, our language, our behavior? Are we shaped more by the messages we hear in our culture or by the words of Jesus. Uh, but not only to pose that question, but also to imagine uh, what it means for us to step into our culture, uh, to live such holy lives that we make a difference in the world in which we live, that we are in the business of helping shape how our world thinks. And so we imagine together what it means to step into our culture and to be the presence of Jesus. And the backdrop Uh, For this series, has been the words of Jesus at the beginning of the Sermon on the Mount, uh, words we know as the Beatitudes. And so let me invite you to hear those words one more time as we wrap up this series today. Blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are those who mourn, for they will be comforted. Blessed are the meek or the gentle, for they will inherit the earth. Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, for they will be filled. Blessed are the merciful, for they will be shown mercy. Blessed are the pure in heart, for they will see God. Blessed are the peacemakers, for they will be called children of God. Blessed are those who are persecuted because of righteousness, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are you when people insult you, persecute you, and falsely say all kinds of evil against you because of me. Rejoice and be glad because great is your reward in heaven. For in the same way they persecuted the prophets who were before you. That's the kind of life that God blesses, the kind of life that God imagines, but it's also the kind of life that God invites us to lean into, the kind of life that God calls us to. And so, again, as we conclude this series, let me take just a few moments and offer some reflections on the Beatitudes. Words, again, that I pray will will shape our hearts and our lives as we step into our world. It's kind of interesting, and I drew this from an author a number of years ago. Uh, If you look at the Beatitudes from the vantage point of three different sets of Beatitudes as we work progressively through them, Uh, we begin with a first set of Beatitudes, Blessed are the poor in spirit. Blessed are those who mourn, blessed are the meek or the gentle, three beatitudes that strike at the aggressive attitudes that often shape our world and that we often buy into as well, aggressive attitudes that clamor for power and clamor for control. In contrast, Jesus talks about a new way of living, begins by talking about those who are poor in spirit the beginning place for a reconstructed life. Jesus says, I want to begin from the bottom and work my way up. I want you to become poor in spirit. God blesses those who realize their need for him, those who are filled with humility. In one respect, it is God tearing everything down and starting over. And so, poor in spirit, is the individual who has been disarmed of uh, self-sufficiency. The heart has been surrendered to God. And then he talks about those who mourn. You look back at that world, that life you have denied, and you're brokenhearted because of the hurts and the aches that you see in the world. And it leads you to do something about it. You go back to the very same world that you denied, and you engage in that world. In the world, but not of the world, Jesus reminds us. You don't allow the world's perspectives to shape you, but you don't avoid the world. You don't live in isolation. You step into the world. You serve. You love. You mourn. Blessed are those who are poor in spirit. Blessed are those who mourn. And then blessed are those who are gentle. We've been leveled. We're brokenhearted. And that leaves us to being gentle in spirit. We're no longer filled with pride and arrogance, wanting to be in control. When we're filled with pride and arrogance, by the way, when we're filled with pride and arrogance, we often tend to be hard-hearted as we deal with people. But when we mourn, we develop sensitive hearts, we become gentle. And Jesus, as he talks about the blessings that come to that kind of life, he says, When you are poor in spirit, you gain the world above, the kingdom of heaven. When you mourn, you gain the world within. You are comforted. And when you are meek, you gain the world around you. You will inherit the earth. And then a second set of Beatitudes a longing, a quest for the kingdom of God. Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, blessed are the merciful. And blessed are the pure in heart. Those who hunger, those who long for righteousness, a passionate quest for truth and goodness and righteousness and justice. But we don't stop there. We likewise are people of mercy, hungry for truth, but so forgiving, so merciful, so compassionate. And when you find mercy, you find the person who is also pure in heart a passion for right, and a passion for people guided by purity of heart. Jesus says you're blessed when you get your inside world, your mind and your heart put right, and then you can see God and see God at work in the outside world. And so we've emptied self, that first set of Beatitudes, and we're on a quest for kingdom presence, that second set of Beatitudes. And then, the third set of Beatitudes, a vision for the future, marked by the Beatitude that says, Blessed are the peacemakers. And blessed even when you are persecuted or insulted because of your faith. Blessed are the peacemakers. You're blessed when you join God in His ministry of peace, His ministry of reconciliation. You're blessed when you can show people how to live together in unity to demonstrate what it means to cooperate instead of competing or fighting, that's when we discover what kingdom living is all about. Even when we are persecuted or insulted, willing to suffer for loving others, for pursuing righteousness and peace and purity, you're blessed even when your commitment to God provokes persecution. Because as Jesus would word it, It is a persecution that drives you even deeper into God's kingdom. The peacemaker is the one who's willing to pursue what is best for the kingdom. It's all about relationships, working through conflict, making difficult decisions, and recognizing in the midst of all of that that the life Jesus calls us to is not always a smooth life. Bottom line, it is a call for radical discipleship. Far too often, I fear we want to go to heaven, but we do not want to be Christ-like right now. And so these words from Jesus are words that call us to be shaped by kingdom perspectives, not by our culture's perspectives. Our goal is to be perfected in the likeness of Jesus. And so these Beatitudes, the poor in spirit, Those who mourn, the gentle, those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, the merciful, the pure in heart, the peacemakers. Even when we are persecuted or insulted, God blesses that kind of life. Words worth reflecting on for the rest of our lives. Jesus has only begun this sermon. And so then this little paragraph, you are the salt of the earth. your Father in heaven. A simple little paragraph that leads beautifully into a song that many of us learned while we were growing up. This little light of mine, I'm going to let it shine. Hide it under a bushel. No, don't let Satan snuff it out. This little light of mine, I'm going to let it shine. But even more importantly than a little song we might sing, is this little paragraph that challenges us to put the words of Jesus, I think specifically the Beatitudes that he has just spoken, to put the words of Jesus into practice. The question with the Sermon on the Mount, in my judgment at least, is not, is this kind of life possible? The question is, will we choose to live this kind of life? I think Jesus would say, don't let anyone tell you that this kind of life is impossible. No, the question is, guided by the grace of God and guided by the blessing of God, will we choose to live this way? Simple little paragraph, but with profound implications for the Christian life, we are called to make a difference in our world. You're the salt of the earth. And we would recognize the influence of salt in our world, but perhaps it was even more significant in a first century world. Salt served so many different functions in that world. A preservative, a, clean, a cleansing agent, means of purification. And just like in our world today, it was used as seasoning for bland food. Salt was absolutely indispensable in that first century world. And it's so important in our world as well to lead Jesus to say, and you are the salt of the earth. You're the light of the world. The contrast was obvious, and it's often used in Scripture, this contrast between light and darkness. Because we have so many different types of light in our world today, we may tend to take light for granted. And so sometimes it takes a power outage, or it takes a visit to somewhere like Carlsbad Caverns where deep in the cave the guides turn off the lights. It takes those moments to remind us of how very important light is. The reality in that first century world was when night came, light was absolutely indispensable. It's important in our world as well. And so Jesus says, as he talks about our influence, you're the light of the world. Both salt and light require at least two things. Number one, they must be different from the things they are a part of. And so again, the words of Jesus, we're in the world, but we're not of the world. They must be different from the environment in which they find themselves. And so light is most useful in the midst of darkness. Salt is most useful when it's added to food, for example. And number two, they must penetrate their environment in order to make a difference in the world. We don't live in isolation as tempting as it might be. And we see examples of it throughout history. As tempting as it might be to pull aside and to say, we're just going to live in isolation from the rest of the world. No, Jesus says you're called into the world to engage this world, to make a difference in the world. You're the salt of the earth. You are to the world what salt is to everyday life. We're not different simply for the sake of being different. We're different because of whose we are. We are children of God and because of what our presence in the world means. You're the light of the world. You're to the world what a candle is in a dark room. You're to the world what a city on a hill is to a traveler who's lost his or her way. And so, at the end of this series, I want to remind us it is so important for us to encourage each other not to be shaped by our culture's perspectives in all of the different ways that we've talked about and an abundance of others. To not be shaped by our culture's messages on money and possessions and power and language and sexuality and anger and on and on and on the list could go. It's important to challenge one another in that respect. But it's also important to challenge and encourage one another to step into our world and to truly be the presence of Jesus in our world. In fact, in the overall flow of the Sermon on the Mount, Jesus is teaching us that the way we make a difference, the way the church makes a difference in our world, is not the way of the powerful. It's not the way of the mighty and the wealthy. It is the way of simply you and I, individually, collectively, as a body, being salt and being light, being the presence of Jesus, one step at a time, one day at a time, at times in rather significant ways, but I think even more powerfully in those simple, small ways, day after day, that can dramatically bless others, that can dramatically influence others, even as the language of Matthew 5 points out to us, that can lead us by our deeds to point people to the Father. And I want to give you one example of that this morning. I'm going to invite Annie Luft, Emmy Dawson, and Sophie Drumright to join me on the stage. three young ladies who are part of families in this church who are part of our youth group uh, who bless folks in so many many ways Uh, but who over the last several weeks have also uh, launched a little initiative a little idea uh, called bless you bags uh, designed to bless and to encourage others and so we want them to share with us today some of what they're doing and then talk about ways that we can be involved as well and so Annie, let me begin with you. Tell us about Bless You Bags, where the idea came from.
0: So um, this has actually been something we've been working on for about four months. It's been a long time coming, but we're here. Um, but actually, it originally started about five or six years ago with my grandma and my brother. Um, he was he always has a heart. He's always had a heart for other people. And as literally as a six-year-old, he was collecting all of his coins and all of this extra change and putting it into a little glass jar. Um, and he would keep it and count up And every like almost every single day. He would count how much money was in the jar. Um, and once he got to like $30 or so, him and my grandma would go to Dollar Tree, Walmart, anything like that. And they would buy a bunch of snacks, hygiene products, um, water bottles, things that they could put into a bag. Um, and then they would keep them in their cars. And when they would see somebody on the streets that was in need, or somebody that they just felt called to give a bag to, they would stop, and they would give them the bag. Um, And so, weirdly, (laughs) one, like, like, almost in the middle of the night, at, like, 12 in the morning. um,
1: I think you said 11.48 the first service, so...
0: (laughs) Okay, we'll go with average, like, 11.56. Okay, there you go. (laughs) But I had like this random feeling in my heart. I was like, I want to do this again because this past summer um, I got the opportunity to go do a mission trip in Los Angeles and then I also got to go with the middle school group to Corpus Christi and one particular time we were, we went to this place across the street from City Hall and there was just a bunch of people sitting along this wall and we literally just brought like a pack of water, ice water, and we went over to the people and we just simply handed them a water bottle. And for us, that's something that we can so easily attain. Like we just go to the fridge and it's just a water bottle. Like we have a lot of those. But for them, it was something so like small, but something so big. And to see how just a water bottle changed how they viewed themselves and how they felt society started to view them, um, it was really, really impactful on my heart. And so, like I said, at 11.56, <laughs> I texted them, and um, I had been with them on both of those trips, and I saw their hearts moving, and I had had specific conversations with them about how could we get something that we do in L.A., something we do in Corpus here in Lubbock, and I was like, how do y'all feel about Bless You Bags? And they were like, heck yeah, let's go.
1: <laughs> Good. And just a couple of quick, uh, quick reflections there. One, again, little things that we take for granted and yet little things that can be such a blessing in the lives of others, whether it's a water bottle, a note, whatever it may look like. And then the other thing, and I've said this for years at Monterey, uh, I've always been blessed, uh, encouraged, inspired, indicted uh, when our youth group uh, goes on mission trips to L.A. or Corpus Christi. Not only the stories that they share when they come back, uh, but the, the hearts that... Uh, are reflected in what Annie just said let's do the same thing right here in Lubbock Texas if we can do it in LA and we're grateful for those opportunities if we can do it in Corpus and we're grateful for those opportunities but we have folks in Lubbock Texas who are on the fringes of society as well and so just a a great great opportunity obviously meaningful to you uh, not only because of LA and Corpus but because of your family and the fact that uh, this was going on with your grandmother with your brother Uh, but, Sophie, Emmy, speak into it. Why, why is this meaningful to the two of you as well?
2: Um, kind of like what Annie said, just I've had that feeling since Corpus, just I feel like I needed to do more and that there was more I could do. And going to Corpus and just hearing about the high schoolers that went to L.A. and getting to go next summer and just continuously having that feeling of there's something that I can do and just not knowing what and so then whenever uh, Annie texted us it just felt like God was opening that door and was saying this is what I've been waiting for and it just really um, it's just meaningful to get to do it with Annie and Emmy but then also to know that um, God was putting that in my heart for a reason and now we're finally getting to do it.
3: Cool. Um, It was just important to me because it was the love. Like I've known Annie and her family for my entire life, and they've just always been like such a significant part of my life. Like they've always been there for everybody. And so when Annie reached out, it was just like such a huge thing. I was just like, this must be good because like it's Annie. Um, so it was just kind of a great thing because the loves have just always been there for us. And yeah.
1: Okay. So you referenced some of the things that were part of that uh, that history in terms of what a bless you bag looks like. But uh, And I think Amy's going to be the one who speaks into it. So what is in one of these bags?
3: So what you do with them is, Amy kind of already explained what her grandma did, but they, you keep them in your car. And you'll, if you see somebody on the street who looks like they're in need or like someone who's experiencing homelessness, then you can hand it to them, say a prayer over them, and just kind of let them know that they're seen and that they're loved. But what we have in them is... Um, some snacks and then water bottles, some hygiene products. And then um, we also have, since it's like winter time, we have beanies and gloves to keep them warm. and all that stuff Annie is holding up.
1: <laughs> all right. So in one respect, something that all of us could do, and yet the three of you have taken uh, this and you have run with it. Uh, any challenges, any obstacles? That have been a part of this?
2: Um, I think just knowing what was needed during the time and, well, during winter especially, is different than what they would need during summer. And so I just think knowing what these people, whenever we gave them to them, that it would actually be useful. Um, and so Annie reached out to Jamie Wheeler and um, she told us things like beanies and gloves and just things to keep them warm because they don't have that shelter and that safety like we do. Um, and so I think just making them feel like they have something they can use, and not just which snacks they can eat is always helpful, but something that can um, protect them and keep them warm during a time when it's so cold.
1: Good. And so, again, the idea is if you're carrying one or more of these bless you bags in your car and you see folks in a parking lot somewhere or on a street corner or in other places you may be in Lubbock, it's an opportunity to, to bless them, uh, not only with the items in the bag but uh, writing a note, Offering a prayer over them, whatever it may look like. Again, using your imagination, just like these three uh, have. And so you're doing this, and uh, some of you may be aware of the fact that a few weeks ago, uh, as we first learned about what they were doing, uh, they put together 40 of these bags and made those available, I think, on a Wednesday night uh, for $5 a bag, uh, and they were taken very quickly. So beyond that, How can we as a church be involved? (laughs) Yep.
0: Um, So when we calculated how much each of the bags cost, we ended up figuring out they cost $7 each. But we're asking each of y'all to, if y'all want to purchase one, to just give us $5. It's less than how much it costed to make the bag, but it's enough to where we can get the money back to be able to make more. Um, And that's what we really want to do. We want to plant a seed here. And then all of y'all spread those seeds and keep growing. And we want to impact the Lubbock community as much as we can.
1: Good. And so there's a table in the Great Hall this morning following the assembly. Uh, they kind of divvied up the bags today so that both uh, assemblies would have an opportunity to, uh, to participate in this. I think they started with 60 bags today. Uh, I kidded them after the first service because uh, I know that all of those bags are going to go quickly today. Uh, And so they're going to have about a thousand ready next Sunday. Isn't that what you, no. (laughs) Uh, Obviously, uh, the money they generate is not making them rich. They're not in it for the profit. It is money they're putting back into it. And so uh, they would love for you to be involved uh, in this little project with them. But even beyond that, uh, part of the goal, the challenge, even of today's message is for all of us to use our imaginations. How can we step into a world that is filled with brokenness and heartache? Uh, and loneliness, and how can we be the presence of Jesus, sometimes in very, very small ways that have dramatic impacts in people's lives, and so planting seeds, engaging in kindness. Anything else any of you want to add?
3: We forgot to mention there's little notes in each bag, Yeah. so it'll come with like an envelope and a note, and we want y'all, if you buy one, just to write a little like prayer over them or just like hoping that they're, like, doing everything, or hoping that they're...
0: (laughs) Yeah, it's an empty (laughs) You write a note, guys. (laughs) Um, Yeah.
3: (laughs) Good. And just put it in the Bless You Bag, and they'll read it, and hopefully it'll change at least their day, maybe their week, and maybe their
1: life. Good, good. Well, let's thank the three of them for the work they're doing, and then I want to pray over them. Let's, uh, let's pray together. Uh, Father, you stepped into our world uh, when we did not deserve your love and your kindness and your grace. You stepped into our world and changed us forever. And God, in whatever ways we do that, may we step into our world with your heart. Uh, just like uh, Annie and Sophie and Emmy have shared with us today planting seeds. Uh, extending blessings to others, and so I thank you for them, for their lives, for their hearts, and I thank you for the multitude of ways that you can take uh, a little idea like this and use it and use it and use it through our lives, through this church, to bless others. And we pray, God, that you are honored and glorified in all that we do. In the name of Jesus, we pray. Amen. Amen. And I hope it's not just a a play on words. You've heard me say this, I think, in previous studies on the Sermon on the Mount. Uh, Jesus, when he says, you are the salt of the earth and you are the light of the world, he doesn't say, you go be salt and light. In one respect, that's a given, but that's not what he says. He says, you already are salt and light because you belong to me. The bigger question, and Jesus actually talks about it, the bigger question is whether we are truly the kind of salt we need to be or whether we allow the saltiness to disappear, whether we are truly light or whether we cover our light with a bushel, with a bowl. You are salt. You are light. Lean into it. Be the presence of Jesus. And if we can bless or encourage you in any way this morning, I'd love to do so. Let's stand together as we sing.